You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. I'm telling you, there is a wonderful um, just presence of the grace of Jesus here. And let's just smile and have fun. I'll try not to yell too much today, all right? And uh, we'll, let's just have a good time. We're going to get into the Word. We've been going through this mini-series. Um, I call it a mini-series, not like on TV, but in church. <laughs> Enough of the dumb dad jokes, all right? Um, talking about the pillars of our, of our Christian growth, our Christian life. And last week, we talked about this first pillar and where this comes from. This isn't just an idea that I'm like, oh, you know what? This would be great. This actually comes from a very powerful scripture that we reference. You hear referenced a lot that Jesus was asked by some teachers of the law. And they asked him, they said, hey, teacher, they're trying to trick him. And they said, hey, what's the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment that Moses gave? And so what Jesus does is he references two Old Testament scriptures, one's in Deuteronomy and one's in Leviticus. And his answer is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. In Deuteronomy it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And those two words, mind and strength, are, are, are the same thing. And then he says the second, or the, the, the second one is this, like, hold on, I'm not done, all right? The second one is this, is love your neighbor as yourself. And that's a quote from Leviticus. And so Jesus uses the Old Testament, but through the lens of of who he is, the fulfillment of the law. Okay, there's, there's another big sermon series we can talk about. But here's the thing. Is that Jesus said this, and then he 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 bookends this statement off this conversation with on, on these two commands hang all the law and the prophet. Meaning this, hey listen, you can capture God's heart if you will take and understand the revelation of this and do it. And this is what makes the gospel incredibly powerful and incredibly simple. Incredibly simple. And so what we're doing is we're we're taking and we're breaking down these these three things that Jesus said. What does it mean to, to love God with all of your heart? And last week we talked about that. And what I talked about is the pillar of commitment, commitment. And I know commitment is something that uh, in society we don't, we don't, we actually get away from. We get away from, you hear people sell, sell stuff all the time. Your phone plans come without a commitment. Your cable TV comes without a commitment. Netflix comes without a commitment, right? Everything comes without a commitment. But there's something powerful about commitment that you can't separate from what it means to love God with all of your heart. And when we broke down this word, what we, what we learned is this, is that that commitment has to come out in a couple of areas. And the first area it has to come out is in the lordship of Jesus, that he has to be the Lord of your life. And the reality is this, just in a very simple way, and Jesus talks about it, is that something is going to be the Lord of your life. Something will rule your life. One of the greatest lies the enemy ever put into humanity is this, is that we can run our lives. But the reality is this, none of us run our own lives. Our time runs our life. Our money runs our life. Sometimes we feel like our kids run our life. Sometimes we feel like the ups and downs, the insecurity runs our life. But there's another option, and that means, and it's that God can run our life. But in order for God to run our life, he has to be the Lord of our life. He has to be the Lord of our life. And that's not heavy. That's not tough. Jesus actually said it like this. If you take my yoke upon me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
that making Jesus the Lord of our, of our life and giving him the first shot at every area of our life and considering what he thinks and considering who he is, all that means that we're taking the, the easy route, actually. And the second thing we talked about is this, is faith, how we come to the word. And that we need to come to the word as truth. That we need to come to the whole word and we need to base our life off of the word. That a lot of times we deal with some of these arguments that we fight with in our own brains about our future, about the things that we're walking through. And one of the ways that God's given us to conquer that is to walk by faith. And walking by faith means you walk by the word. But you have to make a commitment to the word. It has to be the loudest voice you hear. Louder than the voices in your head. <laughs> louder than the voices that maybe are on your TV or that you listen to. Maybe the louder than the voices at the workplace. Whatever it is, it has to be the loudest voice. Then the third area we talked about is the commitment to fellowship, to church. Again, gold star for you guys because you understand that value. It's not easy sometimes if we're honest. Hey, guys, listen, no condemnation. It's not easy for me to come to church sometimes, all right? Can I be honest with you? I'm the pastor. Like, and, and there's sometimes like, hey, Justin, you got it today? I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to check you out. No, it, it's not easy, and I get that. But there's something powerful that happens that God gives us. He tells us it's true. And we see this, not just in this one little scripture in Hebrews that says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together that pastors have taken and beaten us over the heads with for, for eons. It's not just about that because Ephesians tells us something much more powerful, and it's this, is that we are all seated in Christ. And in Christ, we are part of the body. And as part of the body, there is, we're connected to each other just like the cells and the joints and the ligaments and the bones are connected in your body. And guess what? If one part of your body stops functioning, you know what they call that? That's actually cancer when your cells start rebelling. But God says, listen, the way that I created health in the body is that when we come in, because what you have, I need, and what I have, you need. And we need each other to be encouraged, to use our gifts, to grow. And what happens is we do that, and that happens in the context of fellowship. As a side note, fellowship doesn't just happen here on Sundays. It also happens in those things we talked about in small groups. Sometimes it can happen in your living room impromptu or on the side of the street. I bumped into Corey Ballard twice this week and had fellowship with him. We talked about the things of the Lord. We encouraged each other. And here's the thing is that when we realize that it's easy to make a commitment because we're going to grow into the fullness of what God's called us to be in that context. And then finally, the, the commitment to love. To love people the way that Jesus did. But the only way that happens is that when we are, have solidly the revelation of how Christ loved us. When we're overcome with that, that grace overcomes us. We live in a world that now more than ever we have to measure out our responses through that lens of the love of Jesus Christ. That we have to be quick. And I talked about this and I'm going to say it again. When the Lord spoke to me and said, Andy, listen, you can be right or you can be righteous. Sometimes it's easy to be right. But when we choose to be right, and being right means that we're vindictive and we separate relationship and we're being harsh and we're cutting somebody else down, what's happening is you're sacrificing righteousness for being right. And God never gives us permission to do that. See, when we're righteous, what happens is that we bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that we walk in love and patience and kindness and goodness. And a lot of times we choose to be right 
in situations that really don't matter. And so we have to love and make a commitment to love the way God did. All right, so that's a, a recap of last week. We can just pray and leave. Um, but we're going to go on to pillar two, okay? All right, everybody smile. And so what the second pillar is this, is Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and then all your soul, all your soul. And so what I want to talk to you today in the second pillar is, is how we grow spiritually and making um, and understanding this pillar of our spiritual growth. And so we're going to ask ourselves a couple of questions. And I really want us to think, I want you to listen, I want you to take notes as you can as, as things stick to you, and, and I want you to really ask yourself some questions. And here's the things that we're going to ask and we're going to try to answer today. Why does growing spiritually matter to my day-to-day life? I grew up in the church all my life. It's, it's like what I've always known, and that's, that really kicked me between in the butt, okay, at parts of my life. There was a part of my life that said, do I just do what I've always done? Do I believe this to be true? And I always thank the Lord, and this is why I love Jesus, is because I had an encounter with Jesus. I had an encounter with Jesus. But a lot of times this question comes up, are the things that we're being told to do to grow ourselves spiritually, how do they apply to our day-to-day life? Why does it matter if we grow spiritually? How does that connect to our day-to-day life? How does that connect to the decisions that you need to make as a parent? How does that connect to the decisions you have to make as a spouse? Have to make in your workplace? How does that connect to the decisions that you have to make about your future, your finances? How does that all work out? And the reality is that there is a connection, and we're going to talk about that. And the second question we're going to talk about is this. What does it mean to grow spiritually and and? And what are some steps that we can take to just begin to do that? And I, and I pray that today that we all walk away with this a sense of hope and a sense of great grace to be able to say that the things that we want to do in the, in the area of growing spiritually, that God has actually put some things in front of us that we can do, that we can do. All right, so let's jump into this. So why does growing spiritually matter to our day-to-day life? When I was a kid, my mom used to tell me this scripture, and I never, I actually, I'm going to embarrassingly tell you that I, I found out a few months ago where this came from, and it kind of messed me up. But my mom would tell me, son, the little foxes spoil the vine. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, mom, the little foxes spoil the vine. I don't know what that means when I was like seven, eight years old, but as I kind of grew up, I went, hey, wait a second, uh, that's really good. I think this means something, but I want to really find out where this is in the Bible. So I'm going to tell you today, this is in the Song of Solomon. Now, if you don't know anything about the Song of Solomon, <laughs> it's like Marvin Gaye, okay? <laughs> Y'all, come on, everybody wake up, all right? You guys need it. If you haven't read the Bible, this isn't my fault, all right? This is just the way it is. So here we go. In, so- in Song of Solomon 2.15, it says for us, and it's a conversation between a husband and a wife between, and, and again, two lovers. Believe me, this is all going to come around. Everybody just, everybody, parents are getting pale right now, gripping onto the back of their seat. Don't worry. It says this. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard are vineyards that are in bloom. Now here is the, the context of this. It's two lovers that are talking and they're saying to each other, 
that our, there is intimacy between us, there is love, our hearts are connected, that we are in unity, but there is something at the door to interrupt our unity, to break our intimacy, and to ruin our love. And it's not the big things. It's not the big things. It's the little foxes. So how does that correlate to how we grow spiritually? Here is the, here is the picture, the, the whole picture here. Is that, here's what Solomon is saying is this. As it pertains to even the nature of our personal relationships, how we protect our heart, which means how we grow spiritually, makes the difference in the context of our relationships. Because Solomon is saying this here. It's not the big things that we see. It's not the, the things that we think would trip us up. But sometimes it's the idle words that we speak. Sometimes it's the diversion of attention. Sometimes it's by letting our fire get a little bit cold. Sometimes, sometimes. And so it plays a big role in how we, it affects our relationships on how we choose to grow spiritually. Let's keep going. I'm going to give you another reference in Galatians 5, 9. Paul just makes this brief statement that has a huge impact. And he says in Galatians 5, 9, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And what the context of this is, is in in, in relationship to our freedom. And here in the church in Galatia, what happened is that some people came in and the words that they were saying were not out and out de de deceptive. They had a, a tinge of truth on them. They had a little bit of, mm, that sounds okay, but I'm not sure. And those voices got louder and louder. And what Paul is saying here is this, is that the interruption to your freedom, church in Galatia, did not just come with a big wham. It didn't come with a home run hit. What it came with was little whispers, little things that begin to be divisive in your belief about who God is. And if we scale that back and we understand a principle here that Paul is saying, because he starts off Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ set you free, no longer to be in captivity to sin. What we see here is this, is Paul is saying this, when you are not growing spiritually, you are making yourself open to little things that can steal your freedom. So it plays out in our freedom, too. It plays out in our relationship. It plays out in our freedom. Now, let me read to you this, this amazing riddle, and I love what Levi Lesko, if you don't know who he is, Google him. He says about this. This is like Paul's Dr. Seuss riddle, okay? So here we go. In Romans 7, verses 15 through 25, and, and I just said, look, the struggle is real in this place, in this place where we contend to grow spiritually and how it applies to our practical life. Listen to what Paul says here, and try to follow it. It's crazy. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature." For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. 
Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if you didn't understand that, don't worry. You're not alone. I had to read it about 12 times. Here's what Paul is saying in a nutshell, and this is the understanding of why we have to grow spiritually. And there's a lot to unpack in this short little passage. And even when we step back and look at Romans 6, 7, and 8, there's a lot of good meat to, to chew on. But here's a principle. Why growing spiritually matters in our daily life, and here it is, is that we don't stay in neutral. You don't stay in neutral. So when you think that it's okay not to pursue the Lord and not to grow in your intimacy with the Lord, you're not staying in a neutral place. We don't stay in neutral. The way that Paul says it is like this, there is a war going on within me. And that war is within every one of us. And it's our flesh and our spirit. In a very real way, here is the bottom line to what Paul is saying. And I love this because it makes him incredibly personal, personable. And like Paul, I understand this. There have been things in my life that I've wanted to do. Simple things sometimes, like, you know, exercise more and read more books. And they're good ideas, but something always interrupts that, doesn't it? Like, you know, I want to sleep in more than I want to get up and exercise. And I'd rather watch TV than, than read a book, if I'm honest. Sometimes I want to eat healthy, but... You know what? Snack food is just really delicious, and if God didn't want us to have it, he wouldn't have created it. That's just the bottom line, right? And so, you guys are like, no, that's not how that works, Pastor. I don't think that's how it works. All right. Yeah, I know. It's not. But listen, we want to do good, but sometimes we don't. And the same thing applies to how we want to please God. We want to love better. We want to forgive more. We want to get into the Word more. We have good desires, but there is something in us that, that, that pushes against that. And what Paul is saying in a very real way is this. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. That there is a, a war going on. And the only way to win this war it's through Jesus Christ. Let me go on and step into this. Because this is what Paul just told us is this. Is that we want to do good. But apart from the Holy Spirit. Apart from who Jesus Christ is in us. We can't do what is good. So we have to lean into something that is bigger than us. We have to begin to grow in some spiritual truth. To have a pillar of spiritual growth in our life. Can I, let, me, let me say, I, I want to stay on this for just a bit more, a bit more, okay? How many of you have ever had to forgive somebody? Everybody's hands just went up. They didn't, you, you did. I know you did because we live in a world where people are just mean butt faces, okay? And you guys are going, oh, don't say that, Pastor. You said it earlier, okay? 
And so here's the thing. And so we get mad. And then you go, oh, you have, a, you have an encounter where you go, oh, 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 God, I know I'm fighting with this. And the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. And you go, okay, I'm forgiving this person. And you get freedom. And you go, yes. Is that one and done? <laughs> it's not. It certainly isn't. You got to continue to grow in that truth, don't you? Why? Because something else is going to offend you. Something else is going to mess you up. You got you to keep growing in that. It's not one and done, friends. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I can't do it. I don't have the strength to do it. I have, I have what I call willpower, but willpower falls apart. You can't attain anything in the spirit by willpower. Or it would be willpower, not spirit power. Right? <laughs> Just, ah, okay, all right. I know a lot about the Gospels, okay? Um, here's the thing. Sorry, so how do we grow spiritually? How do we grow spiritually? Romans 8, 3 and 4 says this. So we flip the, flip the page and we see Paul write a little further on this idea. He says, for what the law was powerless to do because it, it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So where the foundation of our spiritual growth starts is by understanding what Jesus did at the cross for us. And, and listen, friends, this is why we celebrate communion every week. This is why we try to celebrate that every week. Is because when we remember what Jesus Christ did for us, it's not just that he, he secured our eternal security, but what Paul writes right there is this. The things I wanted to do, how I wanted to please the law, I could not please the law. And he, wrote, he writes further in, in Romans 7, and it's deep and it's meaty and it's so good. I want to encourage you guys to dig that up and look at it. But he says this, he goes, look, here's what the law did. The law told me, do not covet. But sin took opportunity in the law. And I realized that all I wanted to do was covet. Because I could not fulfill the law in my flesh nature. I could not do it in my flesh because my flesh was sinful. And so he says this. He said, the law told me not to covet. But sin took opportunity of it. And all I did was covet. Have you ever bought a new car and you think you're the only one with it until you get it and you're driving it down the road and you see a hundred other people with it and that's the only car you see on the road? And this is what Paul is saying, is that the law was, the law's job was this, was to point out sin. And he says, he goes on and says, listen, the law's not the sinful part. I'm the sinful part. My flesh is a sinful part. And what the law did was put sin right in front of me. That's all I saw and my inability to, to, to fulfill, fulfill the law. And he writes here in Romans 8 and he says this. In my inability, Christ came in the flesh. And he did what I could not do. That he became both the fulfillment of the law and he satisfied the punishment of sin. So that in Christ, I am able to do something that is supernatural, which is to walk by the Spirit. 
What does it mean to grow spiritually? It means to walk by the Spirit. Listen, we've, we've heard that phrase probably a million times in our life if you've been in church for any amount of time. Walk by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. But what it means to walk by the Spirit is this, is that I am tucking my life into Jesus Christ. It's not my strength that enables me to do the things that please God. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given to me through Jesus Christ. It is not my works or my goodness that makes me acceptable to God. It is the truth that Jesus Christ has made me righteous because he has brought me into him. Do you see that? Do you see that? That we come into him, and when we come into him, we lean upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I can't, I can't cause the fruit of the Spirit to, to come alive in me, but the Holy Spirit can. As I listen to the Holy Spirit, as I obey the Holy Spirit, as I choose to say, look, there's parts of me that need to die so that I can love the way God's called me to love. As I make that and ask the Holy Spirit for help, I grow the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. This is what it means to grow spiritually. I hope that makes sense. All right, so let's, let's just kind of break this down and talk about how some, some steps we can take to, to grow spiritually because this is what I want to do is I want to take this out of um, a spiritual principle into practical application for us because this is, this is a, big, a big pillar that we have to all come into. This is what I realized in my life is that, is that <clears throat> I found myself Romans 7, 7 a lot. That I wanted to do the things that I knew pleased God, but I was trying to do that through my flesh, not through the Holy Spirit. That I was trying to make that happen in me being good. And how do you know if you struggle with this? It's because there's a lie that maybe you hang on to that says, listen, uh, if I'm not good, God doesn't love me. If I mess up, then that means that I did something sinful, so, so God's getting and acting his vengeance on me. And that's one indication to let you know that you are operating more according to the law, which is the, the, the work of your flesh, than you are by the Spirit. And so this is such an important principle. And when we come into this, what we come into is an amazing amount of freedom and grace through Jesus Christ. And then we begin to take the steps that we need to by faith to begin to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. All right. So let's, let's just dig into this. So the first, the first one is this. Some steps we can take is freedom. This is a big step. This is, this is like what I would call, as far as this church goes, Freedom Christian Fellowship goes, this is a cornerstone in our foundation. This is something that God asked Pastors Monty and Marla to do, that God's asked me to do, that, that we exist for. It's to see people get free. And now, this is why this is significant. And this is, again, going back to this whole picture of what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, because freedom... It, it tends to deal with the soul. And this is what I'm talking about when I say freedom. Is unhitching our wagon from negative baggage. 
from the junk in our life, the experiences that have tried to bring about a wrong identity, dealing with strongholds, things that we continually come to and we keep, we keep failing even though we don't want to and we go, ah, oh, I need to be free, I need to be free. Wrong thinking. Again, we say this a lot, but this is really true. I've seen so many believers struggle with this. I've been a believer who struggled with this, is that I'm my own worst critic, that I undermine the identity that the Word of God has given me, that Jesus Christ has given me more than anything. And all these things are tied into the lie of sin. And so what freedom means is this, is hitching our wagon to the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus That allowing the identity that he has given us to be formed in us, allowing the spirit of adoption to fully take hold of us. And what I would say is that this is the foundation for your spiritual growth. This is why we are making our best effort to both talk about this on Sunday mornings like this, but also to give special attention to it in the the form of a small group. Now listen... This semester small group for freedom on Sunday morning is for ladies. But next semester there will be one for guys and then, the, and then maybe one for married couples. But listen, if you're in this place, you need to come and take and eat of this. To get free. Let's talk about why this is important. I mentioned this scripture already, but this is what Paul writes in Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So we have to have the truth of freedom inside of us and what freedom is. I believe that the foundation for our freedom we see in Romans 8, 14 through 16. And it says, for those of you who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live again to fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. When we have this encounter with the Holy Spirit where this becomes alive in us, it sets the foundation for our freedom. To understand that we don't stand in the place any longer of being a slave. And can I say this just with a lot of grace and gentleness. Is that there are a lot of people who have sat in church for a very long time that still live as slaves. That they still live in fear of God. That they don't have the understanding of the love of the Father that brings them into that place of adoption. That secures them in that place. And what a beautiful truth that is. Think about this for just a second. How many of you guys remember when we hosted that two Christmases ago on our Sunday before Christmas? We hosted that party for those, those families uh, ad- that, that, that adopted children. And this whole place, we turned into a winter wonderland. And uh, Santa came. Santa! And uh, <laughs> elf and nobody. All right. <sighs> All right. Um, and... Uh, they came in, and, and one thing that stuck with me, and I'm sure it stuck with most of you if you experienced it, was this is just the, the, the power of adoption. The power of adoption, even on a natural level. When, when, 
when, when that happens, the power of adoption, how that rearranges and shifts somebody's life. Like you're, you're taking a child who, who has no future, no hope, who's been abandoned, forgotten sometimes, and they're brought into a loving family, and their future is completely rearranged. That's powerful, huh? That's what Jesus did for us. Now, some of you go, look, man, my natural families are terrible. They're bad. I hate my mom and my dad. They're bad, bad, bad. I don't like my siblings. Guess what? The only way you're going to get free is to understand that there is more identity connected into you as a son or a daughter of God than there is to some of that negative stuff that maybe you've been connected in before. And when you get free in that place of that understanding, the spirit of adoption, it gives you the ability to look back into the gross of your life and give grace. It's really important. It's really important. Hmm. This idea of identity is a big deal. It's, it's a super big deal, okay? So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get a little bit nerdy on you guys for a second, but I want to just compare something really quick. In Matthew 4, when Jesus goes into the, into the wilderness, now you've got to understand, in Matthew 3, Jesus has, he comes into the beginning of his ministry, and he gets baptized by John the Baptist, and what happens at the River Jordan? When John baptizes him, the dove descends on him, and, and the voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Bam, right? So Jesus goes, the Bible says that he was led by the Spirit, that's confusing as I'll get out, into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. It just makes it worse. Jesus is dealing with his humanity as well as his deity. There's two very important things happening here. Very significant things happening here. Jesus is not just painting a picture on how we go through temptation. If that's all that was, that's a great book, but it's nothing more. He is actually eroding and, and destroying the three foundational lies of the enemy in that, in, in that encounter. And one of those, the very first lie that the enemy puts before him is this. And sometimes we don't even see it. We read it so fast. He looks at Jesus in the first and second temptation. And the very first things out of his mouth. If you are the son of God. What's he doing? Are you God? What's your identity? Who are you? But what did God do in Matthew 3? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He confirmed his identity in Jesus because he knew that one of the ploys of the enemy is this, is to disrupt your identity. And that is why the spirit of adoption is so important. That's why it's so important. Okay, so how do we do this? So we need to inspect. There's a couple of things. We have to inspect. We need to hear the word and bring our thoughts into submission to the authority of the cross. We have to inspect. Allow the Holy Spirit to inspect our hearts. And this sometimes is a little bit painful, but as we do this and we choose to let the Holy Spirit do this, 
what takes place is this, is that he brings some of these things that we might be struggling with, that, that we're believing in, that have tried to supersede the word of God, and he allows them to come into view with the word. And the Holy Spirit gives the power for us to take those thoughts and we say, God, I'm going to make this lie, this lie about who I am in you, this lie about, about my future, this lie about my marriage, this lie about my children, whatever it is. And we put it under the truth of the cross. And we have to do that. And the only way that happens is when we take the time to allow the Holy Spirit to inspect these areas of our life and our thinking. Have you ever done that? Have you ever stopped and really just listened and said, why do, I, why do I think this? Why do I believe this? And when we do that, we allow the Holy Spirit to do a very powerful supernatural work. And then we have to address, we have to sometimes address the ongoing lies of the enemy. And this is what we, these lies that hold us in bondage. And this is what I call um, sometimes strongholds. Things that we really struggle with. And this is an area of deliverance that I personally don't believe that the church talks enough about. Because it, it seems a little scary, but it's not. It's not scary at all. And this is one of the ways that God helps us come into freedom. Because a lot of times what we do is we struggle with these, these strongholds. And again, I just want to gently touch on this for just a second. Is that how do you know that you have a stronghold? It's because if you've sought every form of help in your life, if you've gone to doctors and psychologists and all that, and you're still struggling with a lie that underrodes your value, that undermines your value and your worth, that is a lie and a stronghold of the enemy. The Bible says this, tells us this is so powerful, that the weapons that we war with are not carnal in nature, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And so again, it's not something that we can fix in our own ability, but when we lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and we trust Him and we allow that work to happen and we address those things, then the deliverance of the Holy Spirit comes. It comes. And we grow in the truth. And again, as I mentioned earlier, we're starting this freedom class in September. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of this. Because if you want to grow in your freedom, you need to be in this class. You might have heard some of the principles that they're going to talk about before. You might think that you understand it. But if you feel like you need to grow in your freedom, then you, you need to be in this class. Make the time. Take the time. Okay. So the second thing is this. Our principles and precepts. So how do we grow? So the first area is our freedom that we need to have. And that, I believe, is our foundation. But part of growing spiritually means this, is that we're growing in principles and precepts. Now, what do I mean when I say that is this, is that we're growing in the truth by the word, by hearing the word, by doing, and by reaping the fruit of the word of God in our life. By hearing, by doing, and reaping the fruit of the word in our life. I want to read to you guys a scripture about plowing and reaping, because this is the way I believe this happens spiritually. This principle begins to take root in our life. In Isaiah 28, verses 23 through 26, it says this, Give ear and hear my voice. Give attention and hear my speech. Does he who plows for sowing plow continually? Does he continually open and harrow his ground? When he has leveled its surface, does he not scatter dill, sow, or cumin? 
and put in wheat in rows and barley in its proper place in emmer as the border. For he is rightly instructed, his God teaches him. Let me tell you what this is saying. Is that the way that we grow by precept and by teaching and by the word of God is this. Is that you need to sow some and you need to reap some. You need to sow some and you need to reap some. And there is a blessing in this. Because this is sometimes, I think, one of the ways that... If I, if I can, just with a lot of grace and gentleness here, because I know this, this may mess with a little bit of our understanding that we've grown up with. But a lot of times when we hear this, you need to be in the Word, you need to be in the Word. What we're talking about, or what it feels like we're talking about, is a monotony, a discipline that we put in our life. And it does take a measure of discipline. You have to notch out some point of the day where you're getting in the Word. But the purpose of getting in the Word is so that you can sow and reap. It's not so that you continually sow, 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 sow. And this is what the scripture in Isaiah is telling us. Does he who sow, sows, just sow, 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 sow? Or does he sow that he can reap? He sows so he can reap. And so while we get in the word and while we grow by the precepts and the the teachings in the word and the principles in the word is so that we can begin to reap something from it. That we can begin to reap the fruit of that in our life. Galatians 6, 7, and 9 says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows from the spirit to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. <laughs> it's so funny because my mom used to tell me this one too. But she always said it with her finger wagging in my face. You're going to reap what you sow. <laughs> said, my, my brother did that, Mom. Not me. Not me, Mom. Don't whoop me. My mom broke a wooden spoon over my butt one time. That's the kind of kid I was. Hallelujah. I hid them things, especially when Tupperware came out with the plastic version. Let me tell you something. I hid those suckers. <laughs> those don't break. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? My mom tested the limits of it, though. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to try to break this. <laughs> and so I would hear this, and I would go, oh, no, I got it so good. But this isn't what this is saying alone. This is saying this, that you're going to sow what, you're going to reap whatever you sow, whatever you put into your life. You're going to reap. And, and, and Paul does make this contradiction here. And he goes, look, if you, you sow in the flesh, you're going to reap in the flesh. If you sow wrong thoughts, you're going to reap that. If you sow uh, discord, you're going to reap discord, if, you know, broken unity. If you're in a marriage and it's going bad and all you talk about is what's wrong with it, guess what? Your marriage is not going to get any better. <laughs> I know that sometimes that's not easy. I get that. But he's also saying this, that if you sow in the spirit, you're going to reap of the spirit. What I believe he's laying out for us in this principle and this truth is this, is to say, sow in the spirit so that you can reap in the spirit. So that when I sow in love, that I'm going to reap love, a revelation of the love of God back to me. When I sow in peace, I'm going to reap peace back into my life. When I sow in patience, there's going to be a return of patience in my life for me. You know what's so funny? is that there have been so many times, and none of you can identify with this, 
where I think I am so smart. And I'm like, man, I'm smart. I'm, I'm having this conversation in my own head. And I'm agreeing with myself. That's scary. I'm like, yes, you are. You are so smart. And then I will do something. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Like hit the mirror in my driveway up against the post. And my wife's just looking at me like, did you not see that? And I'm going to be like, babe, I really didn't see that. And all of a sudden, it's just, it's just deflating thing. Can I tell you what's happening there? And why something as dumb as like hitting your mirror in your driveway stings so much? It's because what I was doing is I was sowing pride. And what I returned to myself was condemnation. Oh, my, my, my little bubble of goodness just got busted all up. And so what I had to do is this, is I had to sow. I had to sow impatience. Impatience. Right? So we need to sow. We need to sow in the Spirit. Sow in the Spirit. That's why it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So how do we, how do, we do this? Is that we get in the Word and we work the Word until the Word works for us. We get in the Word and we work the Word until the Word works for us. And so when we get into the Word, that our attitude and our questions that we should we should ask whenever we hear the word, whenever we hear it in a podcast, whatever it is, is how can I grow from this? How can I grow from this? How can I grow? Lord, what are you speaking to me? What in my life do I need to conform into the image of the word and take this principle and grow in this principle? And then practically speaking, when it comes to growing in the word, there's some tools that we can use that are so important. I want to I encourage you guys to to take advantage of. There's a Bible app called YouVersion. If you don't have it, put it on your phone. It's a phenomenal, it's what I use for my Bible reading. And I go through this app um, as a, um, with other people and you can join into these Bible studies in simple, in simple ways. And there's thousands of Bible studies to pick from, from every topic that you can imagine. You can listen and take notes. Whenever you're listening to a sermon, or when you're listening to a podcast, you can do that. Get into a small group. I want to tell you something. The small group set, again, I'm hitting on this, and there's a reason why. And this is one of the tools that God has given this church to grow spiritually. And this is really important, is that you can be a part of one of these small groups. Be a part of the Bible study that Kim's doing. Be a part of the, the small group that Marla's doing. How to unclutter your life, your heart, and your home. That's a blend of the spiritual and the practical. And the final, the final thing is this. Justin, come on up, bud. So our spiritual growth is our practical application. Practical application. And there are areas of our life when it comes to our spiritual growth where, again, I believe it starts at this foundation of freedom. And it grows into how we address the Word of God. And how the word of God works inside of us. Is that we also need to address some of the practical issues in our life. The areas of our life. How do we raise kids biblically and spiritually. So that we, we have kids that love Jesus. Or we put the best effort in front of us. How do, we, how do we live in our marriage. 
and love Jesus in our marriage with our, with our spouses, with our partner. How do we do that? How do we live as a good person in a job and, and uh, work in a, in a place where maybe the environment is, is just feels a little unhinged and crazy? How do we live for Jesus in that environment? How do we avoid certain pitfalls in our life and put some margin in our life? How do we handle our finances spiritually? All these things that, that, that need some practical application. And the good news is that the Bible speaks to these things. And this is why I love the book of Proverbs. I believe this is why there's 31 of them. There's one for every day of the month. I want to just challenge you to get into that. To take that challenge in, 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 your, in your Bible reading, just add it to maybe what you're doing. I love reading a Proverbs every day. I'll jump in. Sometimes even if I forget, I'll just jump into the day that, that um, 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 it is. And I'll start reading in that. And what does Proverbs teach us? Some of the practical truths of, of how we live out our spirituality. How we walk it out. It teaches us to, to fear God above man. That the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. To look at Him. And we all need to learn that, don't we? We need to understand that there are times that we are put in a, a pressure cooker environment where sometimes the pressure, peer pressure, and peer pressure is not something that just exists for teenagers and children. It exists for adults too. And sometimes it's understanding and acknowledging the simple truth that when it comes to our decision, we, we need to choose to fear God above man. And Proverbs reminds us of that. It also tells us to be honest in our business dealings, that God hates unjust scales. Like showing integrity in your workplace says a lot about who you are and who God is in you. And that also, even when everybody around you may be doing the wrong thing, when you choose to do the right thing, and your business dealings that God will uphold you. That he protects the righteous. It teaches us to avoid lustful situations. In very clear language. Sometimes the healthiest thing you can do. To keep yourself in, in your relationships. Men, sometimes the healthiest thing you can do. To avoid lust. To stay out of that trap in, in your relationships is this. Is to... Run away. And Proverbs tells us this. That doesn't feel very spiritual, but these truths contain so much practical spirituality that can bring us into life. And I love that the Bible addressed this. It tells us how to raise kids. So why do we need this? It's really simple because life can be hard in some of the details that sometimes it's not enough, if we're honest, to just say that everything is a heart issue. Sometimes we need to understand the practical decisions that we make and how we can do those spiritually and how they affect our life and what God's word says about them. I hope that makes sense. We need this because we need to lean on the wisdom that's, and the strength that's higher than ours. So how do we do this? I mentioned one way already. Is read the Proverbs. 
every day. I have a pastor friend that tells everybody in his church, read a Proverbs every day, read a Proverbs every day, read a Proverbs every day. You'll be amazed at the wisdom that the Holy Spirit will give you when you do that. Read a Proverbs every day. Ask the Holy Spirit to help and give wisdom. But probably the biggest way when it comes to how we have a practical application to our spirituality is this. Is that we have to disconnect from discouraging things that we're listening to. I just want to say this with a lot of grace and gentleness. That if you're listening to something that and getting wisdom from something in, in whatever form or fashion of wisdom it is. Whether your finances or your parenting or your marriage or, or your relationships outside of your, your family and it doesn't line up with godly wisdom, then dump it. Then dump it. Dump it. Dump it. Dump it. Because I promise you, that's going to connect you into discouragement. And there's only one source of life. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. Again, I've said it so many times today. And I almost shouldn't say it again, but I'm going to connect it to a small group. And one of the values of that, again, is this, is because there have been things that I have learned in the context of relationship, in the church, in a small group, information that has been shared, practical information. This week, that even happened in a situation with my wife and I. My wife was going through something, and she asked some of the ladies in her small group. They were praying about a situation, and somebody recommended something practical that paid Dividends, big dividends. And this is the purpose and the nature of the fellowshipping of the saints together. And so when we put these things together and we see that God has created a plan for our spiritual growth, it becomes very significant, it becomes amazing. Thank you guys for letting me talk about this, but this is really critical when it comes to this pillar and why this pillar is so important in our life. Because without it, what happens is that we begin to fall astray, and these little things, these little foxes begin to spoil the vine, a little yeast begins to leaven the whole batch of dough. But when we choose to take this growth pattern of our spirituality by putting freedom at the first place and understanding the principles of God and growing in those, that principle of sowing and reaping and then taking and living out the practical truths in our daily life and our relationships then what we see is by putting God first, He begins to bless the areas of our life and He causes them to grow in His grace. Let's pray. Father, this morning I thank You. I love You. God, I thank You so much for Your, Lord, the pattern that You've given us, Lord, in the Word. That you've shown us, God, that you desire for us to grow and what it really means to, to love you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and strength. God, I thank you. And Lord, for every one of us, Lord, I know that there are folks here today that are struggling in an area that may feel like they are overwhelmed in that area of their soul. They may even feel like they're moving backwards and they're not moving forward in, in who you are and what I what I pray right now in the name of Jesus is that the truth of your grace would overwhelm us. Just, just like Paul said, 
We know that there's sometimes a struggle with the things we want to do that we don't do them. But Jesus Christ, only in you do you give us the, the victory. The Holy Spirit, only in your power do you give us the strength to, to live according to the Spirit. And so those areas of our life that we need to lay down, that we need to put down, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd come and you would, you would help us. Or they come through the forms of wounds or decisions that we've made or, or choices that we've, we've taken. God, we're, we simply submit those to you. And we put them under the, the, the knowledge of the cross. And we bind our minds and our hearts to the truth that we are your sons and daughters. And we thank you for that love that you've given us. And so, God, I pray right now that in our life that we would begin to take the steps toward our freedom. That we would see and, and taste and eat from the freedom that you've given us, Jesus. That we would begin to grow in the word. That we would begin to, to look at the word with new, new eyes, with a new heart. That we would begin to, to say, God, as we take and we read this, and it, it fills our spirit that we're sowing this, that we're walking by faith to this. And God, we thank you for the harvest that you're bringing, the reaping that it's coming. Lord, I pray for those who need to sow in love, that they need to sow in peace, that they need to sow in patience or gentleness. I thank you, Lord, for the strength that you give us to do that. And God, I thank you that your word is filled with the truth that we need. Lord, to, to live out our life in a practical way, to show our, the truth of what we believe and what we believe about you in a practical way. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to, to help us in our decisions as we, Lord, are in relationships and in, in marriage and our parenting, our finances. Lord, our jobs, our future. Lord, we need your help. And so we bind our minds to the word. And we hear the word and we let the word speak to us. And we step by faith into the word. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower us to do that. Now, Father, I pray for one more thing. I pray that you would break the lies of the enemy over hearts and minds this morning. That there are those who have been held in bondage to a spirit of condemnation that comes from the enemy. The enemy has actively tried to break their identity. So, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come and begin to heal them. Begin to release the truth of your love. To begin to release the truth of the spirit of adoption over them, to begin to release the truth that there is nothing that they have done or nothing they will do that makes them any more deserving of your love, but your love is freely given. Let the spirit of adoption and acceptance fill their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.